Welcome to the Weed Smart Regional Update with me, Jessica Strauss, the Weed Smart Communications Lead. This is a new podcast in these crazy times as in-person events can no longer go ahead. So each Monday we'll have an expert from a different cropping region to provide a regional weeds-focused update. Let's get into it. Today on the Regional Update, we're catching up with Basalt Bay Landcare Network Facilitator, Lisette Mill. Lisette is based in Croyt in Southern Victoria and is leading a project addressing the problematic weed in that area and other areas, gorse weed. How are you going, Lisette? Very good. How are you today? I'm good. Now, firstly, it's a little bit different for this Regional Update. We're focusing on a specific weed that's affecting a region. But can you just tell us first about yourself and the region you're from? Righty-ho. Well, originally I'm from New Zealand, so if I butcher vowels and sound like I'm from another planet, I actually am. <laughs> but I'm from an area of New Zealand, North Island East Coast, we moved as a family here into southern Victoria into the city of Warrnambool in 2009. Been here ever since. Very um, cool. My husband is a diesel mechanic, and we came here for work. The region I'm working in is temperate, well watered, mixture of landscapes, not particularly hilly. It always cracks me up that the mountains here are described as mountains, where where I'm from, they would be hills. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there'll be some Kiwis listening to that going, nodding their heads, going, yeah, yeah, <laughs> mountains, what mountains? Southwest Victoria is a highly productive landscape, typically. Land values is a good way to describe value. And a half-decent dairy farm here, you're looking at paying between seven and 8000 an acre. And a beef or sheep, which uh, beef is probably the top land use here, followed by dairy, followed by sheep, and a small amount of cropping. Uh, you'd be looking in the order of between uh, four and six thousand, um, and then you've got land that's bought for bluegum plantations as well. Yeah, very interesting space to be in. Now, we're going to be focusing on uh, this project that you're leading at the moment, and it's about controlling gorse weed. But can you just tell us what gorse weed actually is first, Lisette? It's the work of the devil. (laughs) (laughs) We had an apocalypse. It and cockroaches would get through. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) It's a European plant. It's a prickly, evergreen plant it can grow in the right conditions up to the height of the top of a tractor cab Um, water warmth soil type not such of a problem to it because it's a legume so it fixes its own nitrogen it can grow in quite degraded soils Uh, so typically you find it in country that hasn't or isn't able to be improved it was introduced into australia right at the start, early in settlement, to use as a fence, as a hedge, in the days before wire was commonly available to control and contain stock because being so prickly, it certainly stops animals moving around the landscape. And I think because it also was a piece of home, something Mm. that was brought to the Australian landscape because it reminded people of what they'd left behind. And like many other plants and animals that have been brought to Australia because they reminded people at home. Um, They quickly became 
a problem because they took a course took a liking to southeastern Australia. The maritime climate is what they like, and in that climate, you tend not to have the conditions that control it where it's from in Europe, which is very very cold conditions. Even in places like Tasmania, where it gets very cold and it snows, course is still a major problem because our country is so much warmer. Yeah, that makes sense. So what makes it such a problematic weed, Lisette? Oh, because it lives forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I joke about this to farmers and they look at me like, yeah, right. Oh, no, actually, yeah, right, it's true. It's long-lived, very long-lived. The seed in particular, it can live up to beyond 50 years in mm-hmm. the soil. It'll just sit there and park. So one farmer might buy a farm, no gorse to be seen. Looks amazing, like a, a billiard table, fantastic. They start cropping it or changing fence lines and up the stuff comes because it's been waiting. It dominates. It can be up and flowering within 18 months and when it's flowering, it seeds into the ground, giving you another 50 years of weed control, up to 10,000 seeds per square metre. Wow, that's insane. (laughs) Who wants it? Nobody. It's a fire hazard. There is a crackingly good YouTube video about the flammability of different weeds that the Kiwis did a couple of years ago where they set fire to stuff to see how much heat it produced and how quickly it would burn. And gorse was up there, number one, oh most gosh. flammable weed. Because it's prickly and it's dense and it's evergreen, the soil underneath it is quite dry. So it's a really good place if you're something that shouldn't be around to hide. So rabbits, mm. hares foxes, feral pigs, wild dogs you have over there really like it because they can run to it and hide and get away from whatever's chasing chasing them. So typically here, rabbits and gorse go together. They'll eat it, but they don't control it. And the last thing is where you've had gorse, it acidifies the soil. So to return that to able to be capable of supporting an alternative pasture or a crop, or native veg or trees or something, you have to address that first. So that combination of changes the soil, plus it gives you this horrendous amount of seeds that can last for decades, means that the problem with it is that often people who have it, it gets beyond them. Yeah, okay. Yeah, they're not making any money off the ground. The money that they would need to spend in order to keep it at control and eradicate it over the time is often beyond the productive capacity of the land. Yeah. So Lisette, what's the best course of action then in controlling this weed? <laughs> it's like getting an STD. The best <laughs> thing is don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I said that <laughs> on an interview, but you'll all know what I mean. You know, it's one of those things you don't want it, so don't get it. And how do you get it? You get it if you've got country that's already got it. You get it if you get a piece of land is downstream of somebody who's got it where a flood might bring it onto your farm from floodwaters because the seed is small and light and it will travel in water. You might get it because you buy in fodder from a property that has it and it brings in the fodder pieces of the gorse with it with seed. Right. It's not usually carried by um, livestock any great distance because the seed is small and smooth. But if you bring in stock that you're adjusting or somebody brings stock to your property that's not clean, there's always that risk of 
getting weeds, whatever weeds, mm. which is why, you know, having a quarantine area on your property before you put things out on your farm is a good idea anyway. So don't let it in for the first thing. And then if you've got it, learn what it looks like and get the expert advice on what to do in your circumstances to control it. Yeah, okay. And you're involved as well with this project in trying to get it eradicated on roadsides. Can you just speak a little bit to that and how you're going about controlling it? I'm the world's biggest nag. I'm pretty sure (laughs) that the number of Crown Land Managers in this part of the universe just cringe when the phone rings and they see me on call. I I joke about this quite a lot, but being a nag is really important when you've got a weed that can go from a seed to a mature flowering reinfesting plant within 18 months yeah and 18 months in a weed control program on a roadside is not very long because if you miss it the first time by the time typically you get back there again it's already generating seed So the project I'm working on is monitoring the weed control that's happening on road reserves, mapping where the gorse is, highlighting where plants have been missed so they do get treated, and encouraging the spend of government to be more effective, to actually really start working on, let's get rid of it. Let's not just keep giving it a drink of herbicide every two years, actually get rid of it. Sounds like they've got the right person for the job with Sam. (laughs) I've got full faith in you. Yeah, I reckon there's a couple who reckon that would be a good time if I exported myself back to New Zealand (laughs) quite, quite soon near future. And whenever we can visit family in New Zealand, it's just so funny driving through places and probably drives my husband insane going oh look that went from here to there in the time since we were last (laughs) isn't anybody doing anything about it Um, you're on the mission always well that's great to hear listen i think it's a really good quality something i'd like to just throw into this and this is a resource that any registered for tax primary producer i encourage you to get a hold of now before the end of the tax year And it's a fact sheet that we got written by the Australian Tax Office. So they're the biggest gang in Australia and they know what they're talking about as far as tax goes. So they wrote a fact sheet that's available on our website that might sound like it's a shameless plug for Landcare, and it probably (laughs) is, but it's the easiest place for you to find it and get the PDF. If you go to the ATO website, it's a bit of a drama trying to find it, okay? So our website is just www.bathoptobay.org.au and there are tax fact sheets. The one you want for weeds and pest animals is land care and other expenses. And what it describes is how, as a registered primary producer for tax purposes, you can claim all these different angles in your tax in order to control weeds, eradicate them, do fencing, do tree planting, do the land care kind of stuff, and how you claim it in your tax. And I'm pointing that out because more and more, and this is a stat from the ATO, more and more farmers are doing their own tax. More and more farmers are needing to be aware of all the different ins and outs and ways that you can claim back the cost of doing things. And this is written in such a way that really any level of expertise could understand and get on it. And between now and the end of June is often a really good time 
to treat gorse because in most parts of Australia it's flowering now. Excellent advice. Thank you so much, Lisette, for putting the spotlight on gorse for us in this regional update, a really <laughs> worthy topic. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much for your time. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you.